Hello, welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And we are going to jump right into it today. William, I hear you have a topic for us. I do. My topic is kind of twofold. Okay. Uh, as of this recording, this very day, a photograph was released. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this in the news. No. The well, first I don't know what it's- <laughs> ever photograph of a black hole. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was it was all over the place today. It's an yeah. incredible accomplishment. Mm-hmm. This is essentially people have studied black holes. I mean, for decades upon decades, mm-hmm. no one has ever seen one. Right. It's all been somewhat theoretical. Right. Um, but today, an image was released proving that it uh, exists. Yeah. And in addition to proving that it exists, here are some crazy facts about it. Mm-hmm. It upholds. Uh, some of the research of Albert Einstein oh. from like 70 years ago. Oh, it that's ad- amazing. It adheres to his theories. Oh, what a coup. How nutty is that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't know when Albert <laughs> Einstein awesome. was alive. This is like 70-ish years ago, but it's just like, he's almost the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> he really is. You know? But this is due to the work of Dr. Katie Bowman, who uh, using the uh, the Event Horizon Telescope, it's ca- mm-hmm. called. It's not just one telescope. This is uh, a bunch of telescopes across the globe. Yeah. They all worked in conjunction to take a picture of this black hole 55 million light years away. Mm-hmm. And then her algorithm combined them into a single image showing us the first ever documented uh, photographic evidence of a black hole. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, The black hole is the mass of 6.5 billion suns. Um, And now here's the most important thing to me. Mm -hmm. The creepy horror ramifications of this uh, 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 news story from today. Yeah. So let's go through this. We've talked a little bit about black holes in previous episodes of Guide to the Unknown, specifically about time travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of theories about how uh, if you wanted to speed up time – in the future, you could travel like around a black hole. A black hole is essentially hole is a misnomer. Mm-hmm. It's not the absence of stuff necessarily. It's super condensed gravity. Right. So if you are traveling around that sucker, yeah. gravity also affects time. Right. So if you sped around and around and around a black hole, time elsewhere would essentially be on fast forward. Mm-hmm. So that when you came away from it, you would have traveled far into the future. Mind bending to me. But here are some other weird, wacky things. Yeah. The Event Horizon Telescope is named after a feature of a black hole. Mm-hmm. The Event Horizon is the 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 barrier of like uh there, there's the point of no return. Yeah. Essentially, if you're traveling closer and closer to a black hole, if you get to the Event Horizon, you're in yeah, its you're... gravitational pull. Right. You're donezo. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, you're caught in the tide. Don't get in the event horizon mm-hmm. or or else you'll be spaghettified. Yeah. What? I learned this today. You will be ripped apart by a black hole. You'll oh be turned God. into spaghetti. Um, Isn't there a movie called Event Horizon? That is the next point. Okay. The Event Horizon Telescope. Yeah. Uh, even though it's named after like a completely natural occurring fact of a black hole is the event of a horror movie starring Sam Neill and Larry Fishburne. Okay, yeah. Yeah. The Event Horizon is about a spaceship called the Event Horizon, which disappeared mm-hmm. seven years ago. <gasps> no one knows what happened to it. And then suddenly, why it reappears and it's uh, orbiting around Neptune. Oh. So a team is sent out on another spaceship to go figure out what the hell's going on with the Event Horizon ship. Mm-hmm. How has it suddenly reappeared? What's going on up there? We can't really make contact. They board and find the signs that the crew 
has all gone mad. Ah. And, uh, well, they took each other out. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Yikes. It comes out that the Event Horizon <laughs> was carrying something that was called a gravity thing. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Gravity drive. Uh-huh. It was intended to manufacture black holes to aid in interstellar travel. Oh, that's cool. But what it ended up doing was ripping a hole into another dimension, a hell dimension. <laughs> I've never seen this movie. Yeah. My awareness of it is that it is, one, bad. Yeah. Two, it's almost like a Hellraiser type movie. Okay. And I think that uh, some of the characters in the movie end up looking like disgusting pinhead-esque people who have been kind of like – mutilated and uh-huh but but wanted to be okay you know what i'm talking about i don't really i just know that there's a movie called event horizon Let's put it i really this don't way. know anything about it pleasure and pain become synonymous oh god that doesn't I don't, sound good i don't care for movies where that happens i prefer it when those are two separate things yes absolutely i don't want pleasure and pain to be the same thing no you're messing up my pleasure yeah exactly get your peanut butter out yeah. of my chocolate yeah. i don't need this so <laughs> i wouldn't say that what? That peanut butter is adding the, the pain element to chocolate. I don't know if that's a clean one-to-one. <laughs> Some people think that I it's guess, great. I guess people with peanut allergies Some people think pleasure and pain is the bee's knees. <laughs> Not me. Oh, also. I'm a glutton for pleasure. <laughs> can I say? I'm a glutton for Reese's in all forms. Pieces, cups. Oh, uh, totally. <laughs> hit me up. Absolutely. Also, this movie evidently has Jason Isaacs in it. Oh, love Jason Isaacs. I just started the OA season two. So happy to see him. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, That's a wow. nuts show. I've heard it is. I have not Did seen a frame. Did you watch season one? No. Okay. No. It's worth watching. If Jason Isaacs is in it. He's great. I want in. He's a lot less hammy than he is usually, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> which is a drawback. Oh, he's so incredible. He's still good. If oh, you watch the behind the scenes stuff of the Harry Ooh. Potter movies, he like hosts several featurettes where he's like, yeah, of course he does. Magic. Make believe. Today, I'm going to take you on a journey through creativity. And you're like, oh, yes, Jason Isaacs, take me. Take me away. I love him. He's the guy that plays Lucius Malfoy. He's yeah. very dramatic. Yes. Oh, like, that's the best. Flourishes. Remember when I did that? My tattoo kind of looks like the dark mark. Yeah. Kristen, show everyone your tattoo. See it? Kristen and I were joking about trying to touch our dark marks to summon Voldemort, and Kristen pulled up her sleeve, and for a moment, it looked like she had the dark mark. I was like, when the hell like, did you get that? It could look kind of like snaky. Yeah. yeah it's it's like a, a, a heart a lock. Yep. A heart locket with a ribbon that could look a little snaky. Yeah. <laughs> Looking from the side. <laughs> He pulls up his sleeve for the dark mark. He hovers his hand over it dramatically. And in that time, because he's showboating irresistibly, Harry Potter gets away. If he had just lifted his sleeve and touched it, it all would have been fine oh, for him. He's, he's, he's so incredible. I'm glad he didn't. He's so incredible. <laughs> um, but anyway, what Event Horizon does, it, uh, they, they misrepresent the mm-hmm. idea of a black hole. Okay. A lot of people combine the idea of a black hole with the idea of a wormhole. Mm-hmm. A yeah. wormhole is a tunnel. It's mm-hmm. intended to be a tunnel. You can go in, you can come out the other side. Yeah. A black hole, if you go in, you're, there's you're no in there. coming out. You're done. Yeah. Like I said, spaghetti city for you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be pasta? Head inside. Um, but this is also a feature that's shown in movies like Interstellar, Star Trek 2009. Mm-hmm. Spock ends up going back in time via oh, okay. a black hole. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is landmark. Uh, yeah, no, it's huge. My friends was freaking out. Evidence that's come out today. Yeah. I'm not intelligent enough to understand it. I read, read several articles, mm-hmm. but even the shorthand they used went over my head. Yeah. Uh, but what I did learn is that um, 
uh, black holes are not the same as wormholes. Right. The time travel stuff you think of associated with black holes, you're probably thinking about wormholes, mm-hmm. even though movies have shown you Yeah, it's you not that. like a piece of paper with two holes in it that you yeah. fold down on each other. That's wormholes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and uh, then it just reminded me of cool horror stuff that I like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think about. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, this all brings me to my true topic for the evening. Mm-hmm. That was all just about like sort of the world at large yeah. uh, uh, and a stunning discovery today. Mm-hmm. But it got my gears turning. And so I started to immediately research for tonight gray aliens. Ooh. The grays. Very good. Mm-hmm. Now, good. <laughs> All right. This makes sense. I saw with my little eyes – on your computer over there, some diagrams. Oh, now I have they the were, funniest diagram. They were partially blocked. <laughs> I saw a gentleman with his peony. Yes. And I was like, what? Is it is the funniest image I've ever seen. I was going to say something to you about it, and then we like got off track. <laughs> it's yeah, on, yeah. It's on Wikipedia. If you look up gray a- aliens okay. on Wikipedia. My view was cut off. I would have. Okay. So there's, there's a gray alien standing next to a man. They're both naked. And I guess it's an anatomical diagram, but it's I a guess. very rudimentary one. It's basically just an outline. <laughs> I'm un- but, convinced this had to be anatomically correct. <laughs> this seems to be... But then why are they naked? It seems to be about showing the height difference. It's not going to read yeah. on camera. It seems to be about showing the height difference and like size of head difference between a gray alien and a human. But for some reason, the man doesn't have pants on. <laughs> it's inexplicable. That's what I'm saying. He's not, he's not clothed whatsoever. No, it's shocking. So I guess the differences here that they're showing us yeah. Are, your, are, yeah, of course, head shape difference, <laughs> height difference, lack of nipples on the alien. <laughs> Lack of belly button on the alien and lack of wiener. Yeah, I. I uh, what toes are we working with? I don't know. He seems uh, to have like little baby toy toes. They yeah. would. He would have to like shop at like a yeah. baby store. Yeah, baby store. <laughs> anyway, the diagram tells you nothing. If you look up the Wikipedia article for gray aliens, you'll see this thing. Call me immature. Call me whatever. I was scrolling through, going through this information, saw this diagram. It <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like cocked my head like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't believe Can what's this pause? doing here. This didn't need to be here. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk about gray aliens. Awesome. Um, Love it. Kristen, what is your familiarity oh, with man. the grays? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've decent familiarity with grays. Yeah. Um, it's kind of scattered information, which is what I think makes it tricky. Yeah. I mean, they're the aliens that you think of when you think of aliens, mm-hmm. like a, a big kind of like oval to pointy head, basically yep. at the bottom. Um, gray in color, large eyes. Um, I mean, that they're like one of the most um, called out alien figures in abduction stories. It's like and the things icon like that. Of, of aliens, yeah, essentially. Basically. It's basically what we have agreed to name the alien icon. Yeah. But also, there were movies featuring gray aliens, like the way that they look, before like the first abduction stories. So yeah. it's like a little... It's tricky. We're going to yeah. get into that a little bit. I don't okay. want to uh, uh, blow the whole thing up just yet. Yeah. Let's, let's put it this way. Aliens, especially today, especially in 2019, mm-hmm. we've experienced, you know, uh, countless decades of um, uh, of stories about aliens where they range from looking like these guys with their big bald heads and, and black, black, black eyes yeah. um, to like Chewbacca. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know, like the, the spectrum is is wide. Yeah. Um, but these guys are basically like the classics. Oh, yeah, totally. They're the A-list of aliens, without yes. a doubt. Did you see the trailer for Men in Black International? Yeah. Looks great. It looks fine. I'll see you there. Okay. Maybe I won't, but I'll be there. <laughs> oh, I'll definitely be there. I don't know why I wouldn't be. Yeah. 
It's not a factor of them getting I'm my attention stoked. or anything. It's a factor of like, well, I'm I'm personally required to go. Yeah, absolutely. Not even a question. <laughs> you can't miss stuff. All right. Forty three percent of all alien encounters in the US describe grays mm-hmm. in particular. Within these encounters, though, descriptions can sort of vary. Um, they across the board are generally dis- generally described as being gray, but sometimes that's like a blue gray, uh-huh. a green gray, stuff like that. Um, but they all end up having some pretty noticeable and undeniable similarities. They're small-bodied, mm-hmm. big heads, uh, smooth gray skin, large black eyes. Lack of wiener. <laughs> <laughs> For the Wikipedia diagrams, yeah. it is true. These things have no wiener. They... <laughs> anyway. Uh, here's a weird uh, theory about greys. If there are indeed other kinds of aliens, here's what some people think greys are about. Some people think they are artificially created mm-hmm. or modified species hmm. used by other races as servants to execute tasks such as abductions. Oh. So other aliens okay. have motivations yeah. that they're just like, oh, we'll, we'll get some grays. of the grunts. Oh, we'll use the grays to okay. get that done. Yeah. Get the evidence for me, grays. Yeah. Meanwhile, there is, you know, some like many tentacled beastie sitting on a throne somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that's just collecting the information the grays went out and gathered. Uh-huh. That kind of a thing. Huh. Here's how they were. Uh, popularized. Yeah. This is, this is going to represent the bulk of my research because I figure there are other aspects of aliens that we can get into eventually, like what specifically they want when they abduct you, yeah. um, uh, uh, how alien societies would function, stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. there are theor- theories posited by scientists of like, here's what aliens would look like, yeah. stuff like that. But here, I'm just going to talk about grays in particular. Okay. And this is one of the biggest, biggest abduction cases mm-hmm. uh, that set a lot of our, um, pop knowledge of greys yeah. in motion. Cool. This is the Hill abduction, mm-hmm. uh, also known as the Zeta Reticuli incident. Oh, This I'm took listening. place on September 19th in the year 1961. The Hills, Barney and Betty. Mm-hmm. Wow. Isn't that weird? <laughs> what are the chances? They were driving back to New Hampshire after- and some hills are made of rubble. Whoa. Whoa. Just blew this case wide open. <laughs> <laughs> they were driving back to New Hampshire after a vacation in Niagara Falls and Montreal. Mm. Sound familiar? Sure does. Kristen. It's getting a little hot in here. This was almost about the Andersons. Oh, boy. You were at risk. Yeah. Just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire, Betty claimed to have observed a bright point of light in the sky that moved from below the moon and the planet Jupiter mm. upward to the west of the moon. She could clock that? Very specific information. (laughs) I wouldn't be able to. She convinced herself all she saw was a shooting star. Sure. But. Whatever you need to tell yourself, Betty. As it grew bigger and brighter, Betty urged Barney to stop the car and take a closer look. And they had to walk their dog, Delcy. (laughs) (laughs) Betty looked through binoculars at the odd-shaped craft, flashing multicolored lights traveling across the face of the moon. Quote, from Wikipedia, because her sister had several years earlier said she had seen a flying saucer, Betty thought that might be what she was observing. Okay. <laughs> what? All right. Her sister? Yeah. This is dropped and never 
Oh, re-examined. really? I thought we were going to go back to that. No, 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 no. Oh, this annoying. never comes back. It's just a dropped line yeah. that Betty's sister casually had recently seen a flying saucer. That makes it sound Man. like, like you know, targeting yeah, his family. Exactly. Like that's that's immediately what it made me think of. Yeah. Like there's some sort of a curse yeah. on Betty's family that they will be hounded by aliens or something like that. But it's also made to sound like, oh, you saw that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Right. Like you saw right. the same movie or something. Or like, you were at the dog park on Tuesday? I was yeah. there on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just missed each other. So weird. It's bizarre. Barney thought that it was a commercial airliner traveling towards Vermont on its way to Montreal. What? What people know these things? Now, this kicks off part of my personal theory. Yeah. These people. Yeah. Something different about so, these I'm people. I'm going to say, there's, these are different kind of people. These are different kinds of people. Barney, did you I see don't know that? These people. Something just moved from the yeah. bottom of the moon and Jupiter up to the west of the moon. Also, even if you could recognize that as a thing, like you know what planet is right there and the west and everything, it's. It's surprising that you're focused on that in the moment. Yeah. You know, I just like, oh, God. Like, Honey, I think it's a commercial airliner traveling toward <laughs> Vermont. Yeah. What? <laughs> what weird details for your brain to focus on. Maybe it's maybe it's because it's so unnerving. You need to cling to these details to hold on to your sanity. Right. Yeah, maybe. I would also I would also argue that this smacks of um, rationalization after the fact. Yes. Right. I was thinking the same thing. That yes. maybe this isn't what they said in the moment, but later on when they're thinking about it, they're. It's awesome to think facts. of it in the moment, yes. like it's an episode of Drunk History yeah, or something. Did you see those things moving west? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it just moved from south of the moon to the northwest, but it yeah. might be a commercial airliner. Right. <laughs> what conversation are you having? Yeah. What kind of people are you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, this kicked off years of therapy and hypnosis for these two. So I uh-huh. think that there was a lot of um, backtracking the events of this evening yeah. to try to figure out what they saw very, very, very specifically. So I think that's why it's written this way. Yeah. As funny as it is. Right. Um, that's got to. Does more happen than them just seeing this in oh. the sky? Oh, okay. oh, 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 oh. Oh, yeah. I forgot we're talking about specifically gray aliens. So yeah, it must. Okay. Yamana hamana. A lot happens. Here. Okay. All right. So. Uh, he thought that it was a commercial airliner, mm-hmm. but he quickly changed his mind when the lights changed direction and started coming toward Hell them. Now, this observation caused Barney to realize, "quote This object that was a plane was not a plane." It's <laughs> like, a weird sentence. It's a weird sentence. <laughs> the thing I thought was a plane was not a plane. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's. I mean, it seems right to me. I don't know. It's just like it was not. Yeah. Either or. I wanted to go outside, so I'm outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like, got it, got it. Yeah. Right. They drove away. Over the course of time, it descended above them, eventually filling the entire field of view they had out their windshield. It reminded Barney of a huge pan- pancake. <laughs> <laughs> so they stopped the car and then carrying his pistol in his pocket. Uh-oh. Barney steps out of the car to approach the object. Wow, bold move. He sees in the windows about 8 to 11 humanoid figures peering at him. Then, all but one, unanimously, in unison, I mean, turn away and walk out, leaving just one figure still standing there staring at him from the windows of the spacecraft. Well, that's awfully unnerving. And it somehow communicates to Barney... Stay where you are. 
and keep looking. Without talking or anything, just into his head? Yep. That's like um, injured cold. Yes, yeah. it is. You just suddenly mm-hmm. heard it in his head. Um, they were all wearing glossy black uniforms mm, and chic. black caps, mm. which just makes me think of Tobias in that one episode where he wants to start wearing leather. <laughs> A platform descended from the bottom of the craft. Barney turns and runs. He gets back in the car. He's absolutely hysterical, and he starts telling Betty, they're going to capture us. They start the car and drive away at high speed, the craft still hovering above their car. Oh. And soon they hear a series of sounds, beeping, mm-hmm. buzzing. The car starts vibrating, and a tingling sensation passes through their bodies. The hills experience the onset of an altered state of mind, leaving their senses dulled. Oh, man. Suddenly, per their uh, perception, yeah. they regain consciousness. Mm-hmm. And find out that they have shifted. They are now 35 miles south of where they last remember being. Still driving? Still in the car. Oh, man. They get home. They're disoriented. They're confused. And they start noticing odd things. Uh, Their shoes are scuffed. Mm -hmm. Their clothes are ripped. Um, Their watches no longer work. The next day... Betty reports the encounter to the Pease Air Force Base. The report is later forwarded to Project Blue Book, mm. the U.S. Air Force's UFO research project, mm-hmm. uh, also uh, referenced in yeah. Twin Peaks. That's right. Ten days after the encounter, Betty begins having a series of vivid dreams. These dreams stop abruptly after five days. Hmm. She remembers being taken on board the craft and separated from Barney. She calls one of these beings the leader. The leader uh, speaks English, speaks English well, <laughs> and explains that she's only being separated from Barney so that the procedure will, uh, will, will go off faster. Oh, okay. It's going to slow things down if you're together. No big then. She's passed off to a being she called the examiner, the examiner who also spoke English, but his command of the language seemed imperfect. These beings have learned our language. They're mm. trying yeah. to communicate with us. They took a lock of her hair and examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throat, and hands. They took trimmings of her fingernails and lightly scraped some skin cells onto a little piece of cellophane. Uh-huh. He then jabbed a needle into her belly button, the Ugh. pain from which was agonizing. Oh, God, that just gave me a chill. So the leader waves his hand over her eyes, and the pain goes away. I can get on board with that. The examiner finishes and leaves, and now Betty is just chatting with the leader. There's a book on a shelf. She picks it up, and it's full of odd symbols, rows and rows of strange symbols. The leader says, you can keep that. You can keep the book. She asks where he came from, and he pulls down a map dotted with stars. Later, she remembers being escorted back to the car with her husband Mm -hmm. when a disagreement breaks out. And eventually the leader has to say, I can't let you keep the book. They don't even want you to remember any of this at all. Which suggests to me a little bit of a pecking order. Yeah. To her. Yeah, it definitely sounds like there's like a hierarchy. Yeah. To her, he was the leader. Right. Within their actual organization. He was just the guy that was like in charge of you like know, this corralling division. the people in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. But but they he don't want you He has a superior. To, they'd prefer you not remember any yeah. of this. She insisted to him that no matter what they do, someday 
she will remember. Uh-huh. They lead the couple back to the car and suggest to them that they can stay and wait to watch the craft take off. Man. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Betty and Barney uh, were then interviewed numerous times. This well, is all. Did Barney have like a similar account? Did like the same thing happen to him or what? So Barney uh-huh. ends up undergoing hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Barney doesn't seem to remember any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but then when he's put under hypnosis, he comes up with some information that seems to support uh, the things that Betty experienced but are somewhat different for him. For him, they did all that same sort of stuff, but they also did other things like they were obsessed with his spine mm-hmm. and seemed to be counting his vertebra. Ugh. They were they were learning about human anatomy. Yeah. He seemed particularly, particularly hung up about their eyes. This is a quote from Barney Hill. All I see are these eyes. I'm not even, af- I'm not even afraid. They're not connected to a body. They're just there. They're just up close to me pressing against my eyes he said that when they talked their mouths didn't move he said that their communication was just transferred that Mm -hmm. was the term that he used he said like it was all just transferred he didn't he didn't know the word for telepathy yeah yeah essentially it's like he didn't it didn't occur to him to use that word or he didn't know it or whatever right but he was describing them speaking without their mouths moving at all suddenly they would just be focused on him and the words they were saying were beamed into his head yeah Oh man. Uh they so they then a lot of this stuff happened uh like secretly. Uh they were like secret interviews with like the Air Force base and psychologists. Um a lot of obviously the 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 result of this stuff was saying that like well, you know, it's not as if they underwent all these interviews and uh were put under hypnosis right after they experienced this. This mm-hmm. all came after over over the course of years and years yeah. and years of investigating this. And so these memories, even exposed through hypnosis, could be completely contaminated. Right. Barney, who originally claimed to not know anything, might suddenly be remembering these things that are corroborating his wife's right. experience. Not because he had the same thing happen to him. Right, but, because, but he knows that's what she had yes. happened to her, she says. So it so would logically kind of stand to reason that they separated them to make things go faster. So they probably were doing the same thing to him. Yep. Uh, uh, this information eventually came out and it was all over like newspapers where it was like, did they capture a couple? You know, like all yeah, that sort yeah. of like weekly world news kind of stuff. Barney even appeared on a 60s game show. Uh, that one that was, it? it's like, what's my line or whatever it's called where like, you're, you're like, I was abducted by an alien. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 I was abducted by an alien. He, right. he showed up on that. Yeah. And uh, it essentially is like the earliest abduction case huh. uh, known to have been uh, uh, committed by the gray aliens. Yeah. So here's the cool. thing. Here's the thing. The earliest mention of gray aliens. Because now you got to look at like what are the reference points they might have had. Yeah. H.G. <clears throat> Wells in the year 1893, wrote an article that he called Man of the Year Million, which is a weird title. That's a really weird name. H.G. Wells suggested that humanity could transform into a race of gray-skinned beings who were perhaps a meter tall with big heads and large oval-shaped black eyes. Yeah. This interesting somewhat supports one of the theories of grays. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the major ones, obviously, the sort of like surface-level thing about grays is that they are aliens right that they are coming to us from another planet however as this story has been you know told over the course of years it's become that they're from other dimensions Mm -hmm. that they are from other galaxies other universes and maybe they are 
us. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they are us from the future, time traveling back. Maybe the spaceships are not for traveling uh, uh, through outer space as we think of it, but maybe those are time machines. Yeah. Maybe they're using them, traveling through wormholes and stuff, oh. coming back and trying to learn about their own history, where yeah. they came from, counting the vertebra, because yeah. they eventually evolved to have less. Yeah. And why? Interesting. I've never heard that before. You haven't heard that? No. Mm. In 1901, H.G. Wells published The First Men in the Moon, mm-hmm. in the moon, yeah. where he described what he called selenites. These are moon men. Yeah. They are described the same way. Huh. So I would posit to you, yes. did H.G. Wells come up with an image of a humanoid type creature that he thought was so compelling yeah. that he would later reuse it? Or, or did H.G. Wells experience something? That's what I was going to say. And then try to rationalize it, try to tell a story mm-hmm. to to explain how right, this could be possible it. and ended up explaining it two different ways. Yeah. Because he couldn't decide which was the true one. Yeah. Wait, how do those two descriptions differ from the, the Well, man one is the saying that it's and, us. Oh, And okay, the other is the saying that they're beings the that same. live on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Physical description yeah. is the same. Yeah. Um, there are also theories about gray aliens, um, that are somewhat similar to saying that they are us, but it's about, is it convergent evolution or divergent mm-hmm. evolution? Mm-hmm. Convergent evolution would mean that hum- humans started here on earth right. and we evolved the way that we all know that we evolved. Um, but these gray aliens had some of the same building blocks of genetics and their DNA evolved over the course of millions of years mm-hmm. per the, uh, the the realities of their world. Yeah. So they are they evolved in a way that's appropriate for their world, exactly. and we evolved in a way that's appropriate for our world. Exactly. It's about the climate that you're in. Right. So the aliens are short because you know there's there's higher gravity or something. Yeah. So if you're tall, you fall over or yeah. whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Their bodies are are itty bitty little teeny little things mm-hmm. because it's all about the mind for that's them. That's right. They evolved uh, speech and communication not literally through using the vocal cords, yeah, but through the brain, through yeah. the mind. Um, but then there's the idea of the uh, divergent evolution, which would mean that we have a common ancestor. Right. That somewhere, aliens, greys, and humans uh, uh, had the same grandpa, mm-hmm. and then he had kids. One of them went off into space. The other one stayed right, right. here. That might also mean that grandpa wasn't from Earth. Mm-hmm. Grandpa's from somewhere else entirely. Right. And this brings me to the movie Prometheus. Oh, okay. In the movie Prometheus, we get a vision of aliens that are called the engineers, uh-huh. which are essentially gray aliens, but they're gigantic. Yeah. Uh, what Ridley Scott did there was that he made them like eight feet tall mm-hmm. and ripped. Cool. But they still have giant heads, totally hairless, when you spooky ripped, black eyes. Do they, they look like mus- Like when there's like a muscle person of our race who's ripped, like you can see like like a what's called rippling muscles and yes. stuff. Is it creepy? Like when kangaroos are ripped? Um, no, but it probably would be more like fun it if it was. Non, I don't like it when a non-human is really muscular. You can tell that they got like big biceps. I find it creepy. It I don't is, think that sounds good to me. It's very creepy. I don't want those aliens looking that buff. Kangaroos are 
Horrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. 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 I don't like the way they balance on their tails. No, I don't like anything about them, frankly. I don't like that pouch. I don't have time for that. Either. Do you think it's fuzzy inside that pouch? No. No. Pouch is gross. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sick pouch, bro. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. It's <laughs> making me sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in Prometheus, they're basically gray aliens, except they're pumped. Uh huh. They're jacked. They got like the same super serum that like made Captain that. America. Yeah. Did you not see Prometheus? No. no. Oh, they're so yucky looking. Yeah, it sounds like it. Anyway. It doesn't sound like they're for me. There's a sequence at the beginning of the movie, so I don't feel bad spoiling this. This is Mm -hmm. the premise of the film, and it's been a number of years, so I'm about to spoil Prometheus. Okay. um, Where it's primordial Earth. It is Earth before life. There's vegetation, but there are no animals. Yeah. Spaceship lands. All of these giant jacked gray aliens come out wearing little cloth diapers. (laughs) Are they really? Yeah, I think if. Unless my memory has completely mutated this. They're wearing like a little... Like a loincloth? Yeah. Okay. A little cloth diaper. Yeah. And I then, bet the people who made the movie just didn't know how to handle the genitalia of it all. They're just like, ah. Uh, maybe they just... drew this diagram. Yeah. <laughs> let's just cover it up. <laughs> and they showed it to Ridley Scott. Yeah. And he and he just scribbled over over the, the thorax, yeah. the lower thorax. And they were like, he wants a diaper. Yeah. He just didn't want to see it at all. Uh, and they added diapers and he was upset on set. Um... And then uh, this alien drinks a little cup of black goo mm-hmm. that makes him like appear to be violently ill. He falls over in a river and essentially dissolves. Oh, okay. And they show that his DNA, the strands of his DNA, his genetic material, yeah. is spread through the river, uh-huh. rippling out across the planet to create all the various forms of life that will eventually become human. Yeah. But the idea is the same. We came from aliens. Right, right. Uh and so we are the same. Yeah. That's why we would look the same. Right. What are the I odds? I mean, even like the way things really are, like we're all made of star stuff, of yep. carbon and all of that. Yep. So, you know, in a sense, maybe yeah. we are. No, I, yeah. I think it I think it makes a certain amount of – if you if you want to treat grays literally – and mm-hmm. I mean, I guess one of the questions that we could ask is like, do you believe in this kind of stuff? Yeah. We've gotten into it a little bit before, but like for the particulars of what I've just told you about, uh-huh. do you believe that in grays, grays could the- exist or do exist or – the way that they look and everything, like this idea of them. Yeah. Um. No, but because I really do think it's well. You know what? I, I guess it's hard I, once you start to think. I about know. It. I didn't. I actually didn't know the thing about H. G. Wells writing all that nope. stuff. I knew that there were movies that had grays in them, the way that we think of them. Yeah. So I always assumed that that colored people's experiences. I don't know. If that means that they haven't had experiences, but maybe just your brain's way of assimilating that into something you understand. Some part of them translated it into the language of aliens that they know, which is grays in movies. Right. I didn't know about this H. G. Wells stuff, which throws a little bit of a wrinkle into it. I don't know. I mean, in order to believe in them, literally the way they look and everything, I would have to think that H.G. Wells himself had an experience, mm-hmm. which I don't think is impossible. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I I'm guess it's sure. hard because, like, I mean, the universe is just so vast. Mm-hmm. Like, I really am one of those people who thinks like. People say it all the time, but like it's kind of arrogant to assume we've got it all worked out. Yeah. We know all of it. It's so massive and vast, and we learn new things all the time. The thing with the black hole today coming yeah. out, that's brand new information. That's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that alien, like it, intelligent life um, in other forms, I don't think that's uh, impossible. Yeah. So I, think I don't it's, know. If you want to be strictly scientific about it, mm-hmm. I have not seen sufficient evidence to prove that they don't exist. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. and then like, I think for me, I would have to think about it in exactly these terms about evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, is it? And evolutionarily, it sounds like there can be a case made for it. 
Yeah, I feel like I feel like what I've uh, posited here, not that it's my theory or anything, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Is it completely implausible? You know what I'm saying? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't sound that nuts to me. Yeah. Like the idea of I think that things like aliens and like Bigfoot last week get a bad rap because they get kind of like sillified and maybe some people who are really vocal about it. Is sillified the act of making something silly? Yes. I like that. (laughs) Thank you. But like maybe some people who are like really vocal about it have been like kind of kooky or whatever. So you end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. I really don't find this stuff ridiculous on its face. No, I don't find it it particularly ridiculous. I enjoy it. I don't find it particularly scary. Uh, And I think a lot of people do. I find it a little scary. It, de- it depends on what would be going on. Like, I would be so excited. I mean, you never know. But I think I'd be very, very excited and like, oh, my God, holy crap. If we found yeah. out that there was definitely intelligent life that can communicate with us or whatever. I think it would be a straight up good thing. It might. It I think well it would unite be. the globe. I think it could. Yeah. I really think it could. But I think I would also feel a little bit of fear because they're so unknown that like – and I'm sure we could learn stuff about them that make me feel a little bit less scared. It's just a fear of the unknown sort of yeah. thing. I'd be like, okay, so I didn't know this was a thing. Are they nice? Mm-hmm. Are, do they have insane weapons that are going to like liquefy all of us? Like what's the deal? I would be – I'd have that – I would have an insane sensation. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I I completely agree. It'd be it would, so overwhelming. Like it would like – it'd be insane. I had an interesting conversation with somebody the other night. I went out for um, a, a drink with this guy, Alex Dawson. Mm-hmm. He's a creative writing professor at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. He does like radio plays here in town. Yeah. Um, and he said something that I've said a million times but uh, outside of us. I've mm-hmm. never heard anybody phrase – this thing in this particular way. We were talking about ghosts. Yeah. And he said, you know, if you see a ghost, that's it. Yeah. That has destroyed (laughs) your worldview of everything. That changes the way you thought, you think about every single, the world is not what you thought it was. Absolutely. From that point on, you are a different person. Everything takes on a new context. Yes. The reasons why we do everything Mm -hmm. is changed. You have to look back at human history. Yeah. And 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 figure out what was influenced by the knowledge or lack thereof of right. this new stimulus. And that's the way that I feel about aliens as yeah. well. It would change Absolutely. completely everything. Absolutely. Every story about somebody who said they've interacted with a ghost or an alien that you've kind of taken with a grain of salt, even if you wanted to believe it, you look at that in a totally different way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. And so I guess to that point, like I, I'm – I'm prepared to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, if aliens are out there listening, now would be a great time to reveal yourself. Let's it's get everybody bit. on the same page. <laughs> Let's get everybody on the same it's page. Time. Let's yeah. turn Earth into a place where our cultural identity is that we're Earthlings. Yes. Right? Like, totally. Hell yeah. Totally. What is that in? There's something. I mean, oh, it's, it's a it's, common thought. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, it's yeah. Watchmen. It's it's the, uh, it's oh. the evil plot of uh, Doctor uh, of uh, Ozymandias. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That is right. But it also makes sense. It's a great plan. It would really unite he us. He did it to kill a bunch of people. He killed sure. a bunch of people to accomplish this. I just want like yeah. a, an alien to hop yeah. out of a spaceship. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! I'm groovy. I've got a black shiny suit and hey, a little hey. cap. I hey, studied hey. nine years of Seinfeld, <laughs> yeah. particularly the episode where Elaine dates Tony. Hey, hey, uh, uh, flip your collar up. This is my uh, idea uh. of cool. <laughs> I'll be back. Works for me. Manana. <laughs> oh, that's great. Manana, yeah. we're doing nada. Um. The other thing that the the last thing that I have to say about aliens, mm-hmm. there's a psychological concept of why we picture uh, most aliens to be teeny tiny with a big head yeah. and big eyes, and it's a very psychological reason. One that I didn't, uh, I, I don't think I ever would have thought of mm-hmm. on my own. And it kind of speaks to something that you pointed out before: this sort of um, hubris 
or arrogance to think that we're the only ones out there. Yeah. I feel like you can make an argument for like, you know, at one point we thought that, uh, that, that the, all the other planets orbited around the earth. Right. Right. Like, well, this is the most important place. Totally. So the universe literally orbits around us. Yeah. And I think thinking that we're alone in the galaxy mm-hmm. is the same kind of thing. Totally. It couldn't possibly get better than us. So this is where right. it's at. We're the highest, most intelligent life form. Yeah. So gray aliens might be the way that we uh, uh, psychologically create a sort of idealized version of ourselves. Uh-huh. Uh, the thing that sets us apart from other creatures on the planet, yeah. there are the creatures with bigger, stronger teeth. Right. Far stronger muscles. They can run faster. They can jump higher. They but we're the top. Tails. We're the top of the food chain. Yeah. And that's because of our brains. Right. And so if we want to create a more perfect being, we envision them as having a bigger head because that must mean yeah. a bigger brain. Yeah. And so in a way, the alien is an idea of a threat of something possibly just being smarter than us. Yeah, absolutely. What could be more threatening? And so it's a psychological stressor to think of a gray alien. I think that's a really cool idea. It's taking our edge uh-huh. that we think we have and being like, it's not as big of an edge as you think it is. Yes. Yeah. It's like a very primal mm-hmm. uh, way to make us, to make humans, to make yeah. humanity feel insecure about yeah. our, about our place, about our control. Right. Over that's a cool idea. Yeah. I really enjoyed yeah. that. I'd never heard that before. No, I like that idea. I'm into it. Yeah. So I think someday we'll have more to say about aliens, obviously. There's yeah. a bunch of stuff that like I didn't talk about mm-hmm. in talking about this. Um, uh, uh, but I think it would have been without doing like several episodes dedicated to the greys. Totally. Can't encapsulate it all. But that's the biggest, yeah. one of the earliest, most uh, uh, explosive abduction yeah. cases. And quite that's possibly awesome. the beginnings with H.G. Wells. That's awesome. Yeah. Good topic. Thank you very much. I've gotten a lot more interested in aliens in the last few years. I didn't really give a crap about them yeah. before that, um, but I'm pretty interested now. Yeah, I, I don't know. They still don't captivate me in the same way that a lot of other horror things do. Like I think same, that, but I literally would just like not read stuff. I was just like not interested before, yeah. and, and I am now. I heard that Tom DeLonge is getting a show. You know, like he's got the the interstellar interstellar space boy show. Yep. <laughs> yes, he is. So I think that he's going to be doing like a history thing with yeah. aliens, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying. What was the name of his? Let me see. His organization. It's like a sweet name. Yeah, it was like something about the stars. It is something about the stars. Yeah. Let me see. While you look it up, I'm going to tell one story about Go about aliens that uh, I've said it on many podcasts in the past, but mm-hmm. uh, really enjoyed it. So um, when I was a kid, we still lived in New Jersey, so I must have been 13, 14, something like that. We had a pool in the backyard. <laughs> and uh, I was hanging out with a friend. We jumped in the pool. We're just kind of like floating around. Lazy yeah. summer day. Yeah. Just kind of hanging out. Come on, lazy Susans. I was dark out and I was looking up at the sky. I could see the stars. Feeling small. And I said what a lot of people say when, they, when they're staring out into the cosmos, into the unknown blackness of space. I mm-hmm. said, hey, do you think it's possible? <laughs> you think it's possible there's anything else out there? You know, with like an edge of hope in my voice. Because really, they're, they're unknown possibilities. <laughs> and nothing came back at me. There was no answer. I went, what do you think? What do you think? Do you think there's anything else out there? And my friend goes, um, can we go inside? I went, well, yeah, what's wrong? He goes, I'm getting scared. So <laughs> like, it made him scared, like in a second flat, scared the crap out of him in like three seconds of just like something. positing something fun. Can we go inside? 
maybe it's either something that he would think about a lot, so it was like a trigger for you to bring it up, or maybe it just really hit him right then. It was like, awesome. Holy crap! I was like the vastness of space. I was like, I guess. Do we have to? Like, like he he was acting like there might be an alien in a bush nearby. <laughs> you know, like, like an alien's gonna hear me say that, yeah. and just like one of the stars I was looking at is just gonna shoot right down. Come on down, talking about us. Yeah. <laughs> You rang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom DeLong's organization is To the Stars Academy of Art and Science, Inc. That's right. All yep. right. Well, he's making good on it. He's making shows. Yeah, totally. He's producing shows via his little alien group. So that's yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, also today in current events, man, William, we are hipping with it and jiggy. Oh. It was also announced today that the people behind the show Ghost Hunters are coming out with a new show because that show's been off the air for a few years. And they're they're coming back. Which one is that? Is that Zach Baggins? No, that's um, it's like the original Ghost Hunter show. You could say, as we'll get uh, to in a second. But um, it was called Ghost Hunters, and it was on the Travel Channel, I believe. And then, well, maybe it started on Sci-Fi. It's going to be on the Travel Channel, which is where Zach Baggins is now. So I guess Travel is oh, just like they're going to do a little rock block of I guess so. ghosty stuff. They have a lot of ghost stuff. I've actually known that for a long time. Like when I heard that Zach Bacon's show was on the Travel Channel, I was like, oh, I remember watching like weird British like sh- travel shows that were ghost centered, like in our old house. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. They, so they're just going to lean more into it. But yeah, that's the thing. They haven't had that show for a few years, but they're coming back. Okay. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. It was also recently announced that Robert England, who played Freddy Krueger, yes. is going to be hosting a, um, yeah. a sort of travel slash history focused paranormal show. That's a big show. show news today. I think that came out as well today. Maybe. And then it also came out that American Horror Stories next season is going to be a slasher season called right. 1984. Right. Man, there must be a thing about releasing like TV show news on Wednesdays. Maybe. Or it's just a coincidence. These are all things. A lot of new media in. gets released on Tuesdays. I like know. if you want to buy a Blu-ray or something. Maybe maybe news comes out on Wednesdays. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know either. Interesting. Well, William, I said that Ghost Hunters is kind of like the original ghost show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot you were doing this. William, what do you know about the song Voodoo by Godspeed? Oh my God. It's all coming together. <laughs> It's all coming. All your hints are coming together. You singing the Godsmack right. song Voodoo. I think, I think that we mentioned it before we started the actual show, but we talked about it a little bit before we like, you know, uh, went not just on the live stream. I was singing the Godsmack song Voodoo to myself as a little wink, wink to myself. I'm showing William. Yeah. It's a, a hidden in plain yeah. sight clue. All of Kristen's ride clues, mm-hmm. not just the song, but also six days ago when you flat out told me what your topic was going to be this Correct. week. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Dropped <laughs> yeah. a subtle clue then too. And you just told me. I thought you were going to say something before, but I was like, oh, I guess this just turned into another one of my trademark clues. <laughs> I forgot my, <laughs> my memory's <laughs> That's okay. an issue. I don't even know it's that much that your memory is an issue. We have a lot of other stuff going on in your cabeza. Yeah. Probably pushed it right on out. <laughs> a lot of stuff happening in there yeah. i wanted to stop yeah so william yes what do you know remember whatever about mtv's show fear mtv's fear what i remember um i i remember it as being sort of the pioneer of that filming technique where you strap a camera to a harness around someone's neck so it's pointing directly at their face the clam cam is that what it was called yep that's so silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it enabled there to – it's like having a GoPro yeah. strapped to the front of your face so there doesn't need to be an additional cameraman. Right. It results in this like herky-jerky, horrible mm-hmm. uh, shot of people's faces. It's not flattering. It doesn't look good. Horrible but effective for I what it's so. trying to do. The other thing I remember about it is when Andy Dick parodied it. 
Oh my god, I don't remember that. Literally all I remember on the Andy Dick show, he like went to a gas station bathroom or something. <laughs> like it was in MTV Sphere. That's all I remember. I have to look that up. That's excellent. Yeah, I think I didn't like this show. Even though I was it's, into spooky stuff, I think yeah. I remember watching me on like do you know do you know what year it was? Yes. It was on from two thousand to two thousand three. 2000 to 2003 so i was 14 yeah i was probably right smack dab in that age where i was like this is stupid yeah. like maybe i was starting to get over mtv or something it's good it's not like amazing yeah. um i've watched some of it in researching this and i watched it back then but i wasn't like a devotee of it yeah. like i didn't see every episode or anything but i remember i remember watching it okay um so what it was for you guys, if you don't know exactly, is what Will said. It's a reality show. Um, it had four seasons between 2000 and 2003. And the plot of it was that they would bring six people to a haunted location and give them different dares, which were like scary tasks to carry out, carry out, carry out, carry out over the course of two nights. And if they did the tasks that they were given and they made it to the end of the two nights, they were given $5,000. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because like $5,000. Yeah. Easy. The first episode was $3,000. Maybe they did that. So I watched the first episode yeah. and I jumped ahead in time to these like kind of crazy episodes that I read about and I watched those, which were later in its run. I don't know if they only did 3000 for the pilot and then upped it, but they, they did up it. Yeah. And it's funny because it's not a show that we're kind of used to now where you vote anybody off or anything like that. You just dismiss yourself as you're too scared. I love that. That's and a wonderful concept. Yes. And there's no, there's no penalizing or benefit to the people who remain. They're going to get $5,000 themselves either way. It's not like when people drop off, you're getting more and more and more. So you want right. people to drop off or whatever. So they can really have this sort of like family unit rooting for each other because there's no benefit to people leaving. That's interesting. And something that is lacking in reality shows. Totally, some... It's all like cutthroat. Yeah. And if you leave, there's more for me and uh -huh. I get to be the winner. There could be all six who won. That's I don't know great. if that really happened, Sure, but theoretically it's totally fine and it doesn't change what you get at all i love that you know isn't it? i know it's kind of it's kind of sweet in a way you because you're right you really don't see that now yeah um so also it was unique because of what you said it was filmed entirely by the cast members so they had this rig on their shoulders that then had like a snaky wire thing with a little camera that was pointed right at their face and um they filmed the whole thing. There was no like actual crew or sound guys or anything right. on a shoot affair, which I thought was interesting. I guess I would have known it if I had thought about it, but I was surprised that like nothing. They were literally just them there for the on location, like not real time, but like live shooting sort of stuff. Do you have anything in your research about the Blair Witch Project? Just a little bit. It would have come out. MTV's Fear would have come out one year later. Right. So they say that they started work on Fear before the Blair Witch Project came out. Okay. But that when Blair Witch Project came out, it helped them because then MTV was a little bit more willing there's to a new, take the show. It, there's a genre. They right. Can, there's like a found footage. Instead of having happening. to educate people on what the hell you're doing, there was a, a, a communal understanding. Right. Um, they kind of get – on like a big, broad hit scale. Right. So it was kind of beneficial to this them. This also smacks of – God. <laughs> God's Mac. <laughs> Dangertainment from Halloween yes, Resurrection. Yes. Buster Rhymes. Yes, it does. Put a bunch of people in a spooky place. Yeah, that's true. See Film what it. happens. Yep. I think they poked and prodded a little bit more than the producers of Fear said that they did. Oh, yeah? But still. Okay. Um. So, so yeah, that's what they would do. They did have – like there was an actual camera crew and like – 
staff and stuff like that on the production side of fear but what they did was first of all they would outfit the place that they were staying in with cameras just like you know mounted on the ceilings or whatever um they went in and did some filming for scary shots that they would intersperse during the show before the people got there and then they would also interview um people who had been in those spaces before and had scary stories to tell about it that's great that they put together in a documentary package that they would then show the cast to get them like amped up and scared for what they're about to experience so that wasn't necessarily context the 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 documentary aspect of it wasn't necessarily part of the show that aired it was but they showed more to the cast like there would be a part of it in the beginning so that both the cast and you watching at home like get why this place is scary that's a pretty great format it's a great format because you get some of the the like cultural history aspect yeah. of why this place is significant right? to complement all the whack-tastical I'm running around screaming stuff. Exactly. One of the producers and creators was a big fan of In Search Of, that older Leonard Nimoy show that they remade with um, I almost said Zach Bagans, which isn't that crazy. Um, what's that guy's name? Zachary, Zachary- Kinto? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a really big fan of that, so he wanted to do that kind of like historical educational aspect, so he was all over that. Um, but so that was really the crew's main job when it came to actually filming the bulk of what you see on tv it was all the cast Hmm. and i'll talk more about how they were isolated and it's kind of messed up oh really (laughs) yes um so yeah so it was one of if not the first i think probably the first ghost hunter tv show that utilized that kind of like um night vision camera in the dark point of view just to the person kind of format that then is so familiar in ghost shows now like ghost hunters like i was saying like in ghost adventures with zach bagans every ghost show that you can think of where you're seeing like night vision yeah like it seems like a lot of them were derived from or inspired by fear on mtv which is kind of cool and crazy like ghost hunters didn't premiere until 2004 and they said they were influenced by fear that's funny Mm -hmm. so then, yeah, I guess the, the other thing that they pioneered is the camera being strapped to your own face. Yeah. Which was then used, like, endlessly in, in like, shots that I can't stand in movies. Yes. Like, they had to make that thing. They had yeah. to they had to workshop it and, like, figure it out and everything. That was not, like, a tool that you could buy. I'm pretty sure that's the camera angle on Will Ferrell in the movie Old School when Sean William Scott shoots him with an <laughs> animal tranquilizer. Maybe. Maybe it was a clam cam. I'm pretty sure it's a clam cam. <laughs> Um, I've been thinking a lot about old school recently. (laughs) I don't know why. Maybe it's due for a little rewatch. Maybe the universe is telling me to rewatch it. I'd watch old school with you. Really? Yeah. All right. Let's let's do it. All right. Let's give it a go. Friday. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. So most of my information, well, pretty much all my information, is from this great article on mentalfloss.com called Alone in the Dark, an Oral History of MTV's Fear, hmm. written by Jake Rawson. And it was written in this past October of, eight, of uh, 2018. It's great. So it's interviews with like producers, um, some cast, crew members, just like talking about the whole experience. It's really long and it's really awesome if you're into fear. So if you want to go check that out, there are lots of things in it that I'm not going to talk about here tonight. Um, you can give that a goog. So here is how it came to be. So the producers, um, Martin Currit, Eric Maines, Bo Flynn, and Don Olmsted were actually putting together a movie called Dare that they were using the recent, at the time, reality boom on MTV. So real worlds and road rules. And using that as a basis for a movie where um, the plot was that these kids were going to be sent to an island that's supposed to be haunted and film a reality show there. And they're all kind of eye rolly and knowing that like this is for TV. And it turns out to actually be haunted. That's great. Right. 
But they were like, why don't we make the show within that? Like, why don't we take kids to haunted places and just do that? Um, So why don't you do both? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe they just ran ran away with this. Maybe they thought they'd get more funding from MTV. That's literally me making it up. I have no idea. Right. But that was where it came from. Right. But yeah, it's a great idea, right? Um, so yeah, so they said they started working on it before Blair Witch, um, and were kind of like tinkering with the concept of the movie that then turned into the concept of a TV show, and but then got a boost from Blair Witch. And so they're shooting a pilot to shop around and everything. And they decide to go to the West Virginia State Penitentiary, which is a really famously haunted place, and just find some like random local kids, however you did that in 1999, 2000 or whatever, to pay to go in there and film and just kind of see what happens, basically. So they said to this kid, we'll give you $200 if you go in that room, like that creepy room, and just stay there for 15 minutes. (laughs) And by the way, this is something that happens in the first episode of the show where they do West Virginia, uh, the the same penitentiary. They just have somebody go stand in a room for 15 minutes. Like the dares escalated insanely over time, which I'll get to. So the kid goes in there and they come out and they're like, no, this is too free. Oh, well, I skipped something. The kid goes in there. They have a producer jingle a chain down the hall okay. to make a little bit of noise. And the kid comes out and he was like, absolutely, like, I'm done, whatever. And they're like, we'll give you $500 if you go back in. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. I'm like, we'll give you $1,000 if you'll just go back in there and do the remainder of the 15 minutes. And he's like, nope. And they're like, I think we got a goddamn show here. That is that is uh, remarkable. That mm-hmm. that speaks to two things. One, the ways that fear impacts people. Yeah. How little it takes to to shock us into yeah. like fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing is how cheap, cheap, cheap horror is. Yeah, like cheap scares. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't even mean cheap. I mean monetarily cheap. This was not cheap. <laughs> They paid a kid 200 bucks and that was cheap. Dangled a chain. Maybe that was cheap, but jumping forward a little bit, the reason this show doesn't exist anymore is because it was astronomically expensive. It's probably twice as expensive as most reality shows today are. What? Because there was so much travel involved across the board. Okay. They had well, to yeah, travel different you... places, not only once for the shooting, they have to like send scouts out to check out places then they have to transport all these kids there they have to you know pay fees and all kinds of stuff it was a very expensive show that's interesting okay yeah, yeah. so you would think i would i was surprised you're that too you would think it's so bare bones they have these crazy cameras what do you make that maybe not just once but like you know you need one camera for cast member per show there's not crew on set or anything but it was very very expensive interesting there's another reason it got canceled um which i'll get to at the end well I'll just say now the other reason it might have gotten canceled this isn't on paper or anything it's pretty much the consensus that price was the reason but the other reason was that after 9-11 things sort of shifted in entertainment and media and there were less dark shows like yeah. this for a little while yeah so mtv seemed to they the producers and everybody seemed to think maybe they can't say or maybe just whatever that the price was definitely an issue, but it was compounded by the fact that MTV was like, a lot of people don't want to be switching yeah. through channels and seeing people screaming yep. and like running. We didn't right have now. time for that. Right. So like it just the combination of the two together, it's expensive plus it's just not the way that things really are right now. Like let's not do it anymore. Sure. Um 
But in the beginning, to zoom back, when they're greenlighting and saying, let's do it and everything, um, they said it was cool, obviously cool enough for them to want to do the show. But there were concerns over how it would actually be scary because the execs at MTV were like, you know, whenever there's anything about haunting your ghosts on TV or movies or anything, people are always going to assume it's being manipulated because they're not right there. They're always going to assume that somebody is jingling the chain uh-huh. or whatever. So it's going to be less scary to them. So then the crew and producers had to be like, okay, so how are we going to make this scary? Like, what are the basic elements of fear that freak people out that we can incorporate into this to make people watching from home scared for the people there? So one of the things, well, not just one, like a main thing they thought about was the the thought of isolation. Like they needed, and something I thought was really interesting about this article and the producers, when they're talking about like developing the show and making it scary, they're really rarely being like, well, to scare the audience at home, we need to blah, blah, blah. They're always like, to scare the people who are going to be there, right. we need to blah, blah, blah. Because the scares are going to come from that for the audience at home. So You're going to feel what the people are feeling. Right. So how do we make the people feel that? I thought it was interesting that they're focused on that rather than like, how do we fool the audience into thinking it's scary? It's like, how are we to really scare the hell out of these people? Smart too, because they're right. The audience yeah. would naturally be sitting there with their arms folded. Mm-hmm saying like not good enough right you know or i'm not buying it but when right. you see somebody like, yeah, like we're, it's we're hard empathetic to fake, like raw fear like that so yeah. if that person is scared you're gonna respond to that yeah in some way. and we're like we're completely empathetic creatures mm-hmm. so if you see someone that's like you recognize in somebody that like sweat and like that like yeah. shivering and looking around right. you start to feel that totally that, that's really fascinating that's a brilliant a point of attack that's great it really is an attack is a good word because what they did to these cast members was not so cool <laughs> <laughs> All right. not physical attack but like it's it's rough stuff um but we'll kind of naturally go there so they they knew that isolation is one of the scariest things that you're going to be more unnerved if you're by yourself and these cast members would naturally be less on edge if there's like a camera crew with them and like a sound guy with a boom mic over Mm. them and stuff. So they needed to find a way for them to be able to self film. So there wouldn't be that crew all around them, making them feel a little sense of security. They wanted to take away every sense of security they could basically. So they came up with that idea of the clam cam and that self filming rig basically. And they came up, they um, went through a bunch of different iterations, which you can read about in that article, but um, came to one that they liked. And this particular rig setup that they had had um, a number of pros to it that made them land on it being the one. One is that the person is stationary with this rig. So when you're walking around and everything, you're always seeing the same view of the person's face because if the camera is always in the same position right in front of them, their face is always the same size. It's always in the same position, but as they're moving, their background is moving around them. So it gave this like weird disorienting kind of sense on screen, like something's still, but everything else is all weird. Right. Um, it kept people kind of authentic. So not only are they going to be more scared because there aren't people with them for backup, they're also like, we've talked about it a bunch of times. When we sit down to do this show, we're ourselves, but also we're like a little bit different and more heightened because you know that you're being recorded and you're going out there and everything. 
So they obviously knew they were being recorded, but they were going to be a little bit more authentic. It was just them and this one little uh, camera and microphone in a scary place and be a little bit less on than they would be with the microphone in their face from a, you know, boom mic thing and a cameraman staring at them and everything. They're going to be a little bit more themselves. This is a weird point, but... Also, at the time, it wasn't commonplace to have a camera with you at all times. And obviously, since smartphones have become so ubiquitous, we all have cameras. Yeah. You and I, I think, are decently used to speaking to a camera. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you would experience this the same way if you were put on MTV's fear in the year 2019? Oh, would I experience what? Because you said way. like like having yeah. the rig and like not having people around yeah. was supposed to sort of disarm so that you don't mm-hmm. have that feeling of like, oh, I'm being a performer right now. Right. I don't know if I'd be able to leave that mindset. You know oh, what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think, like having this experience of doing this all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would, I'd be very aware there's a camera. But I guess if you're genuinely scared, you're genuinely scared. I know. But I just feel like I, I guess I have this image in my head of like mm-hmm. if you and I were in that situation, we'd be like. All right. Well, I hear a jingling of a chain. Like yeah. we'd be saying it to a camera still, even though it's yes. supposed to feel like it's only us. I think that's definitely true. But I also think if you were genuinely at a level of fear, like that kind of like vanity and awareness goes Go away, away. If you're yeah. like really that freaked out, because then you're not thinking about anything else. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Okay. Um, it also was good for dramatic emphasis because like I said, there wasn't a camera crew with them, but when they're editing the show together, they do have cameras in the ceiling of the building that they're in or whatever. So they're cutting between footage. They'll sometimes show like the footage from the cameras in the building and they'll sometimes show the footage from the person's camera on them. So if something big and scary was happening, they would cut, they would make sure that that's where they're showing the person's face or whatever. And then to that end, they could also use that expectation of like something scary is happening. We're cutting to the person as a red herring. Hmm. So like there would be something where it seems like something scary is happening and they cut to the person's face and you're expecting that to mean that like ah, it's happening, but it actually doesn't happen. Huh. So it's you're always just a little off kilter and they would kind of mess with the audience that way. So to cast the show, it was six people and they tried to cast it kind of like breakfast club style, like the geek, the jock, the whatever, um, and all like young, hot 20 somethings. Um, then once cast, they wanted them to feel isolated and freaked out right off the bat. Like after the casting process, when they're signed up and they're going to go to location and everything, they are weird to them instantly. <laughs> so they tell them to tell their friends and family that they're going to be out of communication for five days. Oh, they can't God. talk to them whatsoever. They put them in a hotel room for two days first with either no TV or a TV and VCR that only can play horror movies and leave them there and don't communicate with them for those two days. That's my dream. So just, I know. That's kind of good. So they're just waiting. They know they're about to be on a show in a couple of days, but they're not hearing from – they can't talk to their friends or family. They're not getting calls from production being like, you comfortable there? You good? They're just dropped off somewhere for a couple of days. Can you get delivery? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I would hope so. Yeah. That would keep me quite comfortable. Pizza um, even when they were getting to the location that they were going to be at, they would sometimes fly them to one city and then have them drive hours to another just oh. to like mess with them. Um, so the producers in this article talk about the cast in a way that is uh, mildly disturbing. Yeah, I think I found a few line items to cut from the budget. <laughs> So here are some quotes when the producers are talking about the way that they treat cast. They said that they treated them like prisoners. They said that they wanted to tenderize them 
for the experience. All right, Pennywise. Yeah. Does he actually say that? Yeah. Or, ugh. It's like salting the meat, something like that. But the idea. Ew, I think he does say salt. The idea the is meat. the same. Yeah, yeah. It is the same. Um, and he, and they say that they wanted to destimulate them because if they felt safe, their reactions weren't going to be as big. So then when they're being driven to the shooting location from whatever like city they've now flown and driven to, so they don't know where the hell they are. I'm not even sure they knew where they were going. I think that was the point that they don't know which location they're going to or anything, which seems like a safety issue. But um, when they were going to the shooting location and this is in the show, they literally put bags over their heads and drive them to the location. I think they pick them up one by one. So you can, they said they could tell that there are other people because they talked to cast as well. They can tell that there are other people in the car, but they're not allowed to talk or anything. So they're all in the car with bags over their heads. One girl puked inside her bag, which is in the show. Oh no, I'm laughing. I'm <laughs> laughing. It's, no, honestly, it's not funny. It's just I, like, <laughs> when I saw it, I laughed out loud by myself because it's just so it just, you think about horrible. I, I feel like you can't help but think like if you did that, like, right? Like, <laughs> What? This, this wasn't already bad enough. I had to puke in my bag. It seems just, just terrible. Can I get a new bag? Yeah. We only have five. Yeah. Are you sure everyone else is even uh, wearing them? Yeah, how do they know? Maybe so, you're the only one with a bag. When she puked was this, too, which is part of what makes you funny. So when they pull up to the location they're going to be at, they would have them get out of the car, carefully, I would imagine, I guess yeah. with crew help, and then... um do that they would put their hands on each other's shoulders I so that they that. can walk into the location and that's when the girl puked in her back so it's like a line of oh, oh. and then you just see barf come out of the bottom. Oh, I can't imagine barfing without like being able to put your hands in front of your face like <laughs> you're just standing <laughs> just with your arms uh, and you barf that seems like like I remember a Teddy Ruxpin once told yeah. me you can't sneeze with your eyes open like I feel like there's no way you can barf without covering without yeah. like going to like <laughs> I can't imagine barfing without the um the 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 cold grip of a porcelain bowl in my hands. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I've like freeform barfed really, without like anything that's like my <laughs> my object. Did you barf in a car once? Oh yeah, I did. I barfed in my scarf. <laughs> barfed in my scarf <laughs> we uh we were up late the night before like hanging out and drinking and stuff part why i quit drinking uh, oh my god um but uh but yeah we're hanging out and drinking and stuff and i was vegetarian at the time and i was all drunk and i went in the fridge and we had salami and i ate the salami and then I was all hung over, but I went to work the next morning. I basically like, went in and I was like, I'm sick. I have to go home. And when I was driving home, um, yeah, I, I, I pulled over in the colonial diner so I could open the door and barf, but I didn't make it inside. So I just pulled over, parked and barfed on my scarf. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's definitely, <laughs> yep. <sighs> all right. So that's anyway, definitely one of my happier barfing stories. <laughs> myth busted. <laughs> yeah, that's right. God. Oh God! It's my gray Burberry knockoff scarf. <sighs> I wonder what I do with it. Do I just like leave it in the parking of the Colonial? I don't remember. Oh, I hope not. I don't think so. It's disturbing when you see like a, I know <laughs> an article of clothing somewhere that shouldn't be there. I saw- <laughs> the scarf would tell a story, though. Well. A picture's worth a thousand words. 
I'll tell you a story one time. Not about myself. I saw um, tights with poop all over them in the sink at Middlesex County College. <laughs> all right. In the sink. All right. <laughs> what? All right. All right. Okay. Does it represent some sort of effort to clean or is it just uh Okay. All the right. garbage is like right there. <laughs> so the toilet. But they're tights. You're throwing them away, I assume. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the toilet. <laughs> You're gonna flush them down the toilet. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, my girl barfed in her bag. Let's just, yeah, yeah, exactly. let's just say that. That's let's what it just, is. Anyway. We'll, yeah. Let's put it this way. <laughs> <laughs> she barfed in a bag. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I see what you're getting at. <laughs> yeah. Say no more. Yeah. Please. Uh, yeah. Say no more. So. Um, oh, God. To be one of the other people, though, and you're like, to the person not, behind is me. Is it on just, my back? <laughs> is it on my bag? <laughs> she is wearing a bag, right? <laughs> And, or you're holding how, her uh, shoulders. How far does the bag go down? You're behind her in yeah. the conga line. God. <laughs> oh, I hope it doesn't dribble to my hands. Yeah. I would drop the conga line. Can I have two bags for my hands? <laughs> you mean gloves? You got any more of these bags? <laughs> this is a barf bag. Ugh. Oh, boy. So. Oh, it's so crazy. And then once they got to the safe house, which is part of the show that I'll explain in a minute, then they would take the bags off and they're okay. So she wasn't. Did she go home? I don't know. Or did they give her like the nurse's sweatshirt? <laughs> the nurse's yeah. bag? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I hope she got off the show. And her identity kept secret. Or if they were like more psychological I mean, stuff, maybe... you can't wipe off your face. <laughs> Put the clam cam on her. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on how bad you want that five thousand dollars. I gotta I say I hope she made it then to the end. If she stayed, I hope she got that five thousand. I hope she didn't like reveal herself. And then, like, right. peace out after. I feel like all the effort of destabilizing their sanity and, mm. and tenderizing them Ugh. is already done by the bag. Yeah. Get rid of the hotel room yes, thing. It's get overkill. rid of the driving thing. It's ridiculous. They were, like, in the article, like, we really, we did some terrible things. We really treated these people horribly. How, are these people interviewed at all? Do, does anyone speak up in the interview that was Not on the show as that. a contestant? The, the only thing that a contestant says about the way they had them treated in the beginning was that this guy says that he was being driven to a location um, by a girl who he thought was cute or something like that. And he was trying to chat her up and she was like really short and not having it. And then in s somehow in the course of the conversation, she said that they told her not to talk to him. <laughs> so <laughs> where you're really from. going for it. Are you, are you from here? Yeah. Are you from around here? Right. You're not like from anywhere near here? Yeah, like she can't even, he, they can't even talk to their driver. There's in complete isolation. You're a ghost? Yeah. Does it start now? Um, All right, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. Yep. So they would get there and sometimes people would be kind of like, or they would kind of assume that they would feel like, oh, okay, well, MTV is here. Like nothing really bad is going to happen. Like they knew what they were doing, but they also assumed that maybe there was still like a, a tent that has the crew people or whatever. But no, there was, it was really literally just the contestants on location, except for one person. It was a tech person who was there, but it's not like they were like checking in with them or anything, but it was just in case something went wrong with their tech, this person could fix it. But what the cast didn't know was that that person was also a paramedic and an off-duty police officer. Oh. Just so that they like had some bases covered. The cast didn't know those bases were covered, right. but there was a person there in case anything went like horribly awry, okay. basically. 
So the structure of the show, I mentioned the safe house before, mm. was that, um, and I mentioned the documentary. So they show this documentary about the location to the cast. And you also see that at home in the beginning of the show. So you know where you're at. Um, and they start in a safe house. So there's a computer, a delightful 2000s early time computer that's like very rudimentary that gives them dares. And, um, also in the beginning it was a little bit different, but they ended up each picking a color. So they'd be like, there's somebody who's like, I'm green, I'm yellow, I'm whatever. And be like, red, you go in this place and you pull a sheet off of this electric chair that's been sitting there gathering dust for 60 years. That's your dare or whatever. And so one person would stay behind. It would rotate. One person would stay behind per like, you know, dare thing um, to monitor the screen and be the navigator. Cause they're also, they're, they're on radios connected to each other. Those go out sometimes depending on the dare, but they can communicate with each other in there. And the navigator can talk to the people in the place and tell them where to go to find this scary room and everything like that's that. That's brilliant. It's, I mean, it's a really <clears throat> sweet show. It's very involved. Yes. It's, it's not so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, that safe house is also where they slept. So they slept <laughs> during the day. What? And then went into these places at night because it's night and spooky time or whatever. So in the very first episode, the, the one that I watched about the West Virginia penitentiary, they were literally pull-out couches. It looked like a college, like, dorm room or something like that. They were pull-out couches that they had to double up and sleep in. <laughs> it was so weird. And then they didn't show them, like, going night-night and the rest of the episodes that I watched. But that's where they started. Um... So now I'm going to go into the episodes that I watched. And so these are my literal notes that I wrote while I was watching the episodes. So they're just kind of my stray thoughts and observations. But now you know how it works. And let's talk about what we were actually seeing on MTV at that time. Um, so I watched, like I said, it was the very first episode of the Western State Penitentiary one. Um, these are not structured. They're just <laughs> my notes. Okay. There was a guy who was calling all the girls babe. Yeah. And then when they would go places, he'd be like, all right, you're going to do this thing. You're going to come back to me. You're going to come back to me. The way he kept saying come back to me, I was like, ew. Like, back to safety. Saying, back to my loving embrace. Yes, I'll protect yes, you. Yeah. Yes. Like he wasn't just saying, hey, you're going to get out of there. He's like, you're going to come back. You're going to do that. You're going to come right back to me, babe. And I was like, ugh. Um, Barf. Barf yeah. on that guy. Um, there was another guy who this was a sign of the times. They, he was like going into the place or whatever. And he was like, I love you guys. And then he went, want to touch the hiney. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> We're in another era. Totally. <laughs> um, the babe guy starts singing randomly twice. The first time I couldn't tell what it was. I think he thought it was like calming the girl who he was like off on the dare with. He was just like singing. It was so weird. I was like, is this like a, maybe a, a church hymn or something like that? It's like ward off evil? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and he sang again later on when he did a, a, a dare in a weird way. Um, something that I also noticed was that with this particular cast, they kept saying to each other, so they must have had a conversation off camera, like when they're going to sleep or something about the idea of being platinum and diamonds and that making you shine in the dark. So like you're platinum, baby, you're platinum, you're covered in diamonds. You shine when there's dark, you shine to like comfort each other. Weird. I know. So they kept saying that, which I thought was weird. Um, the babe guy also, he had a dare in the beginning that was to go into the hole of a prison, like, you know, like the solitary <laughs> yeah. confinement. 
And he tried to fake it out. So he stood outside at the entrance of the hole. And he's like, okay, guys, I'm in here. And his task was to go in there for 15 minutes, do nothing, and then leave. And so he just stood in like the vestibule and didn't go in. But they're showing it on camera. Wow. Right. So I was like, huh, that's weird. And I assume that when he came back to the safe house, because you complete your dare, you go back to the safe house, then, you know, another person goes in or whatever. I thought he was going to be kicked out with the computer be like, you know. You didn't do it. Right. But they didn't say anything. I was like, that's strange. Then at the end of the episode, it comes back to roost. They're like, the first person who went into the hole has to go in again to the hole and now stay there for 30 minutes or like whatever it was. That's great. I know. So the guy goes to the hole. He's at the vestibule entrance again. He's like, I don't know if I can do it, man. Like talking to his like receiver guy. And the guy's like, you're platinum. You're diamonds. You shine in the dark. We can see you sparkle or whatever. And then the guy's like, I can't do it. And they cut to like a wide or like a pie shot or whatever of him leaving the hole and dropping to his knees on the ground. Just like, huh. And I was like, wow. Wow. That, that's Intense. some Zach Bagans level yes. hamming it up. This guy was a ham and a half. So that he did not get out of his head. He knew he was on camera. Y- yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know what I mean? A like, lot of instances. Because it of, sounds like he's yeah. playing it up. Yes. I don't know. I he probably was playing up, but he was also just such a weird guy. I'm going to have to watch this. I'm just crap talking to this one guy. But this is the guy who's going like, babe, come back to me. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, no, I, I both. And I he like, seemed very scared. I've got a love-hate relationship with dudes that do that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I want to see that. They're entertaining on a removed level. Yeah. I just don't want to be around No, them. of course not. But it's like it's it's like a spectacle. It's like I can't oh, believe yeah. that somebody thinks that this is a proper behavior. Totally. Yeah. Um, or appealing to anybody else. Like, not just proper, but like, they you think like this is this. making you like yeah, them? Or, yeah. I mean, them like you? Yeah, these women it, like it when you <laughs> talk to them like they're right. like, weird babies. Now, the babe <laughs> thing ends up being a trope. Because in the other okay. episodes I watched, they're all calling each other babe and honey and, and sweetie and stuff like that. I All of them. Could that be a 2000s thing? I think it could be a 2000s thing. I think it could also be a fear, well, not MTV's here, but a, a fear-based thing. Like, we're in this together. All right, babe. Like, just for just grabbing for any comfort that you can possibly give or get yeah so sort of like in uh, this heightened like situation little names like little cute pet yeah. names and words of affirmation yeah, it's like and comforting stuff in carry a way. on more meaning than they would right anywhere and else lean in the into world. them more because other people need it more maybe yeah they're sort of moments. an oasis right that's right. interesting exactly because i was really hard on this guy when i was watching this and then when i watched the other episodes I'm like they're all doing that all doing it's it. not that weird come back to me is real weird though right do other people Definitely. say that no I bet they and got. Then you're, and he says it like it's such like a draw for He's like, and then you're going to come back to me. Like you're going to get your prize. Don't worry. Don't worry. Everything yeah. will be all right again. You'll be back with me. I don't know you. <laughs> like, I'm going to get further away from you. Yeah. <laughs> get I'll, off the mic. Yeah. Totally. I'll, I'll go in the hole for you to get away from you. So he does. the guy does go into the hole. He finally pumps himself and he goes. And then he's in there singing again just to himself to comfort himself. Something about sunshine, something about the human race is all I could catch. And I wrote music is a real comfort to this guy. Yeah. And then they're radioing him to let him know his time is up, but he's not answering the radio. And so it's building his tension like, what's happening on with the guy? And I was like, he probably can't hear the radio over himself singing. Right. But um, I don't know what happened. He, he came out and he was fine or whatever. Um, he also says that he thinks that this place was haunted by their own fears and trepidation and whatever they bring into it. The babe guy said that? Yeah. I think that's true. I think it's true, but the way he said it was babe guy-ish. Okay. I was like, all right. We get it. Yeah. You're real smart. Yeah, totally. So then I jumped ahead in <laughs> Don't time. Don't try to teach us a lesson. What'd you say? <laughs> Don't try to teach us a lesson. You've been the babe guy all this time. <laughs> I saw you. You're the come to come back to me guy. Yeah, I won't have an emotional 
like yeah. he, lesson on on what it means to be a person and what the what the real fear is. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the fear version of saying like the real treasure was the friendships we made yes. along the way. Yes, the real fear was what we brought to it. Right. It is correct though. I will. I'll and give him that. Sure, but still, I was like, all right. And yeah. So then, because of what I read in the article, the Mental Floss article, I knew that there was an episode that was kind of legendary because everybody quit uh. at this one location, and they had to bring in a new cast. Oh. So I was surprised that they did air both of those. When I was reading it, they were saying, like, we were usually at a location for two weeks at a time doing all our prep work and everything, and we had to be at this one place for a month because we brought in the cast. They all bounced and we brought in a new cast. But they actually do have both of those episodes that they aired. That's great. So, yeah. So, it was a place called the Mino Dos Estrellas Mine, um, something like that, excuse me, but in Mexico that was said to be haunted or patrolled or whatever you want to call it by this supernatural creature called a Nuwale. Okay. Which was very, very scary. So... Like I said, the so I went from the very first episode to one, I think a couple of years into the run. I'm not sure exactly what season that was in. Um, but the dares escalated like crazy from being in just a room for 15 minutes. Dares involved um, like putting goat's blood on the floor around you to draw the Nuwali, which is supposed to be like an animal spirit to okay. you. Um, nailing a cow tongue to the top of a door for again the new wally just like really intense kind of gory stuff where i was like damn fear really up the ante in the time since the first episode that makes it sound like really particularly influenced now by fear factor maybe you know you had to get icky and get covered yeah. in bugs and i wonder how regular regularly that was a part of fear yeah. I'm, I'm not sure it, it, did, it wasn't like a main feature of the show still or anything it wasn't like everybody had to do things like that but i was surprised to even see them in there because i was like yikes yeah so, you know, everybody quits that episode and they bring in a new crew to kind of face these fears. And um, they ha- this one had its own kind of character where I was like, whoa, this guy who was a lot, um, who was like this real like bro intense guy who also something that they did between the first episode and this one, I think maybe they did in the first one, ep- first episode too, I could be wrong, but they would show their um, kind of like application tape and or tapes that they made like when they're about to go into the experience being like, this is what I'm thinking. This is whatever they started interspersing that people talking a big game about like, I think I can take this money with then later footage of them being like, "Ah!" (laughs) that's genius. That's great. It was great. So there's this guy, Brandon, uh, this, whatever he's got, his name is Brandon. You can find it. He's pounding his chest. He says, and forgive me. This is what Brandon said. He says, I've been a demon since the day I was semen. He says, he's also known as the rock. He makes insane eyes into the camera. He says, look into his baby blues. Oh. He kisses his necklace and says his scorpion chain is, is going to protect him from evil. Oh, my God. He's a lot. So Brandon quits during it. His dare was insane, I will say. And I have to imagine that they tailored some of these dares to the people who they're maybe giving them to. And so, Well, I guess, I don't know. I'm not sure how random the dare system That's is. It's like Saw. Yeah, yeah. But his dare was to go – there was like this oven. I don't even totally understand the construction of this. This oven that was like a a tower, like this just – this. Crazy, so it was sort of like, like an industrial pipe. oven? Okay. Yeah, but it's almost just like a um, like a tunnel. Like this just this giant like circular structure that they lowered in a chain ladder for him to go down into. It's like feet and feet and feet down. Then take the ladder away, and he had to stay in there for three hours. The three hours? Yes. 
So he quit during that. Um, but when he came up, he was like, well, yeah, nobody else will be able to last half as long. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> Horrifying. For three hours. The dares get much longer in at least this episode as well. Three hours seems to be kind of a regular point. There is another guy who has to do a three-hour thing that's also her- horrifying named Jason, who is interviewed in this article that I'm talking about. There are some clips from him or some like sound not sound bites, they're written, little excerpts from him. Um, and I enjoyed seeing the personality aspects that came out of Jason when he got scared because he was definitely like the nice guy, the everyman. Where they're, when they're all in the safe room together, Jason's like, you got this, baby, you got this, or whatever. He's like, just a nice, normal guy. Then, oh, then um, when he's scared, he gets real pissy huh. <laughs> as a defensive action. Um, he like walks out to the site of where he's supposed to do his dare with like another guy. And um, the guy he's with is like, whoa, what was that? And Jason's like, a ghost dude, what do you think we're here for? Like, he's been all nice. And then he was just like real snappy. And then like the navigator is talking to him. And he's like, wait, wait, stop, stop. I can't think when you're talking at the same time as me, okay? So just, I was like, whoa. That's awesome. Jason's not comfortable. Because also, you're not going to be your best self under these conditions, obviously. Certainly not. So that's also kind of a fascinating social aspect of it is like, what do you like before yeah. and during right. being like terrorized, basically? But it was really funny because he was such the nice guy. Oh, uh, ghost, like, obviously. Duh. Yeah, it was really, really funny. Adoy. So his task was to go into like a pit, basically, put goat blood all over the ground for the Nuwale to be drawn to him. And during this, he starts crying, like freaking out crying and screaming like, uh, I respect you. I respect you. I respect like and crying, going absolutely ape. He starts um, asking for his mom. Oh, but this is where the producers were kind of like, is this guy really reacting this way or is he playing it up for the camera? Because this guy really goes ham. He basically confirms in the mental floss thing, confirms or you could say wiggles out of. I, I'm not totally sure. The mommy thing made me think that he was BSing. And also he says like MTV should never send, have sent us out here. I think he was playing it up. He was I saying think, that for an ad. He's like, I'll be in the commercial for yeah, this. Yeah, because he was going absolutely bananas. Yeah. Not that it – I mean I'd be freaking the hell out. But this guy was – going to town and then he says in the article that he was not scared and he was just doing it or whatever i think it's probably a combination of the two i think he was probably scared and a way to kind of like make a little bit of unreality out of it is to play it up so much almost like last week when i was talking about how it annoys the hell out of me when people will take like if you say I think the example I use is if you were like, hey, you kicked me. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I kicked you. Yeah, I slammed my foot into you repeatedly and I kicked you, right? Because that's making me like, well, no, you didn't, you know. You're distorting reality. Right. I think he may have been distorting reality a little for himself as maybe a protective measure or maybe just total BS. Yeah, that's an interesting theory. I I, I think that that feels right to me. Yeah. There's a moment in – Like, let me just make this – something so insane that I can't even be scared by it. Right. I mean, that's, that's uh, to bring it back to the Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. that's one of the central points of the movie is mm-hmm. that Heather keeps filming because when you're filming it, it's not quite real. Right, right, And right, then right. Uh, also there's a, a moment in that movie mm-hmm. where um, that movie feels so, it's so surprising that it can feel as real as it does. Yeah. Some of the moments, especially some of the lines that they improvised are mm-hmm. so corny. There's a moment yeah. where Mike is like sitting on the ground rocking back and forth. Yeah, sometimes and they're- And singing like this star-spangled banner to himself and you're like- They're doing the most. Why did this get left in the movie? I know. 
cut it, that. It doesn't feel like congruent with the other stuff because yeah, it's so real. Exactly. Yeah. But but it it might it, it just makes me think of that sort of like do anything, do anything to like ham it up for yourself, right? Exactly. So that you're not really mentally present anymore. You're mm-hmm. you're doing something, right? You're playing some sort of a character now, right? Yeah, that's what I think happened with Jason because I think that was genuine when he's being snappy and whatever. I think it's because he was scared, and then he just made it so big that he can't even, he can't even take it as real. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so this is really long. I'm sorry, but basically, um, I just wanted to jump to some producer experiences of scary haunted stuff that, that they experienced okay. on sets and everything. So, um, the things I think are the coolest were that, um, a location scout who in the article, everybody's vouching being like, this guy is like a no nonsense guy. Like he's not somebody who's just making, making things up and like getting scared easily. He's just kind of like a straight shooter. Um, went to check out this like creepy castle in New York um, that he said had secret passageways. I actually want to look up this um, episode at secret passageways. It had paintings with actual eyes cut out so you could like spy on people like in movies and a jail cell and what is supposed to be a private residence. Oh, so it seemed weird. H.H. Holmes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this guy ended up staying over the night there. Like, he was supposed to go back to his hotel, but the pastor who lives there and does regular Sunday services was like, oh, I guess it's a drive back to your hotel. Do you want to stay here tonight? The pastor must have made him feel real safe, so this guy decided to take him up on his offer. And he said that night, around 3 or 4 a.m., he felt a tug on his sheets, and then they went tight on him. Ooh. And I interpreted that as it, them almost like saran wrapping him in. Yes. Um, and they, you know, it let go eventually, but he didn't go back to sleep. And he basically said he just, he can't deny that that was a thing that happened. That's crazy. Um, they regularly noticed cold patches in spots where they knew something bad happened. Like they would know a murder happened there or whatever. And just like in an area where there's no windows, no nothing, it's just cold inexplicably in this area, which is pretty common ghost stuff. Um, this is something that happened to the cast, but the producer said that they'll just like never forget it because it was so weird and freaky and they obviously knew how stuff worked from their end and it just was impossible. They said that there was a location where in the documentary package, there was a room with a number that was significant. So it was maybe room five, uh, 572, I think they said. So the cast member is, um, walking in this hallway and they're like, oh, there's room 572. And then all of a sudden, all the power went out in the building. Her flashlight went out and her camera went out, which oh. are all on separate power sources. So what the hell? Yeah. They said that that was very unnerving. And then the other one that became legend among the crew was that they were shooting um, on location one time, probably the documentary part. And there was a house nearby where they were able to use the bathroom there. And they were all stoked about it because they usually had to use porta potties and stuff. So um, on all of their sets, they said the whole time, like people were just always feeling weird about stuff. So people never went to the bathroom by themselves. Everybody was always kind of on edge. So these two people went to the house to go to the bathroom together and they went to open the door and they saw the knob turn and the door just swing open. <laughs> so they just straight up ran back uh-huh. and nobody ever went to that house to go to the bathroom. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It makes you want to have a camera on the people that are running the show. I know. they had, there Again, there are more stories in the article that you can look up. So that's, you know, like I said, the show ran. It had to end for the reasons I explained. And that's it. It's incredible that it hasn't come back. Everything comes back. I know. You know what? I didn't put this in my notes, but when I was researching the years it was out, it does list there being one episode in 2009. Oh, it maybe says they tested five, the waters. 
episode one, 2009. Exactly. Maybe they tested the waters for it to come back. Um, yeah, and it didn't take off. And I didn't find that episode available for me to watch. Right. So I think it must be that. I mean, I, I think in today's day and age, you mm-hmm. could make a simple elevator pitch of mm-hmm. it's MTV's fear and impractical jokers crossed. Yeah. yeah. Like the dare structure right. that they already had in place mm-hmm. is so ingenious. Totally. Um, it's a good show. Like I say, it's not like the best show ever, uh-huh. um, but I really enjoyed watching it again. Yeah, that that's great. You made me yeah. want to watch it. Yeah, it's totally worth watching. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, I love the way that it was put together. That makes it sound like it was put together with far more care. and. I know. I was really surprised by just how much deliberate care was put into it and just kind of like – focused effort again i think it's so interesting that rather than being like okay so how are we going to scare the audience where they were like how are we going to scare the people yeah we're going to be different. doing this that's different from what yeah. i would expect that Same. like and in, in my head that puts it on a different level from the kinds of i know horror quote-unquote shows especially reality ones that totally. are on tv that's totally. really interesting that's, that's part of why it's worth and interesting to have like an oral history like this on mental floss yeah it's really fascinating so i really would encourage you guys to look that up if you liked this because as long as this was there's more in that article awesome yeah cool well yeah. there you go there you go that brings us to the end of another epi yeah happy for you peppy <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode of the show we would really appreciate it if you would go out there and tell people about it uh tell your friends write posts um write a blog post about guide to the unknown or something like anything it would just be great to have more people watch it and listen and everything yep and to that end we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a review yep on apple podcast stitcher wherever you can leave reviews Mm -hmm. we've been getting a lot of really nice ones yeah i think that we it'd be cool to be able to do something with some of the good reviews that we get to share them Uh and stuff because like i do check yeah not infrequently and i will see new reviews that pop up on our facebook page or on itunes yeah stuff like that they're all super nice and a lot of people tell us that like they like listening to the show with their kids or that this is one of their favorite podcasts mm-hmm. and it's part of their regular rotation stuff like that it's really it's really so nice. nice so thank you that's all that's great I'm glad you like it absolutely yeah um, if you want more Guide to the Unknown follow mm-hmm. at GTTU pod on all social media so you can see yep. posts throughout the week comment on them with other viewers and listeners like yourself mm-hmm. uh, and you can also go to patreon.com slash GTTU pod if you want to donate a little something back to the show yeah it's just like a little thank you for putting these things out and we super appreciate it and we do cool things with that money too sometimes that come back to you so yeah, yeah. we recently did a little live stream on youtube.com slash talk bomb that's right uh we played with a little esp deck of cards to test out the theory of whether or not mm-hmm. well it started with me right because the, the psychics told me that i am psychic right you can see what happened i had yeah. to guess the designs on cards like the beginning of ghostbusters basically right. <laughs> and then we flipped the script and we did it with Kristen as yeah. well yeah um so it's like it's you know stuff like that yeah. that uh, uh just a little extra something something yeah help us exactly do. yeah patreon helps enable that because we bought those cards not they're a billion dollars but it was nice to have like a, a dedicated little, guide like, to the unknown yeah funds. we have a little pool which is nice exactly yeah. and uh last thing i got if you want to talk to either one of us we're also online that's right i'm at chillin Kristen on instagram i am at the myth traveler Mm-hmm. So there you have it. This is uh, the end of another thrilling episode of Guide to the Unknown. Right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah. We'll be back in one week to talk more about spooky monsters and mm-hmm. aliens and weirdnesses, sweet reality horror shows. Hell yeah. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Bye. Bye.